This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back to Faith FM. We are continuing on with the show. Clearly... Just so prepared to, you know, do an amazing Bible study here in our Encounter with God section. Lyle Southwell, super prepared look on his face. We're just super ready to go. And, uh, yeah, let's do a clue for the quiz. <laughs> Who am I? Um, we know that this guy, he... T- he told Peter that we have found the Messiah. He's from Bethsaida. He's one of the 12 apostles. And he's actually the bro- the brother of Peter as well. So there you go. Not only did he tell Peter he was the Messiah, but he probably made fun of him too because he was his brother. And that's what brothers do. Um, I was spending time with some, some brothers yesterday. They're actually... <laughs> Um, they were brothers to each other and sons of Lyle. And, yeah, it was just funny because they make fun of each other all the time. But um, <laughs> kind of like that phrase, you know, the sons of Lyle. Yeah. This is kind of got a ring Two to it. Two brothers, the sons <laughs> of Lyle. <laughs> yeah, one day, Lawson, one day. <laughs> the sons of Lawson. Ooh. <laughs> This has kind of a ring to it. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. I'm going to give them really fancy names. Okay, so there's something really important that I need to talk to all of you about this morning. Mm. Uh, We were just listening to uh, Michael Worker, the Director of the Religious Liberty Department for the Adventist Church in Australia. And the Adventist Church is one of those few churches that is super privileged to actually have a Religious Liberty Department. And... um, yeah, amazing just to uh, chat there with Michael, who is just so on top of everything that is happening right now in that space. However, he will be making another submission. I have a copy of his uh, previous submission here that uh, was sent to the Australian government in relationship to the first version of the Religious uh, Freedom Bill. Uh, he will be making a second submission, and what he is particularly looking for are examples of uh, religious discrimination. Mm. And so really what this comes down to is you often don't think of all of the different nuances of how discrimination can take place until it actually happens. Yeah. And then when it does happen, it uh, it's like, oh, um, all right, are we covered under legislation or are we not covered under legislation? And often we've never actually thought of that particular circumstance and so the legislation hasn't been written to deal with it because, you know, society is so varied. It's like how do you write a piece of legislation that's going to cover every aspect of society? Mm. And so without specific examples of discrimination, it's impossible to write good legislation. Mm. Good legislation is written when the government puts the legislation out there for comment and good submissions are sent into the government. Mm. A good submission will be sent into the government from Michael Worker. Um, a much better submission can be put in if you can send to us your examples of religious discrimination. Oh, that is such a good point. Yes. yes. So here's what I want you to do. If you have been discriminated, On the basis of religion, you need to get in contact with us here at Faith FM. We will pass uh, your details on to Michael Worker, and he can then include that in his submission to the government. 
Okay, so give us a call. I'm going to uh, give our number out now, and I'm going to give it out slowly so that you've got time to pull over to the side of the road and to, or to pick up a pen and paper and to write this down because this is critically important for the future of religious liberty in Australia. So I want you to get in contact with us here at Faith FM with your story of discrimination so that we can pass it on to Michael, who will then pass it on to the government for consideration. Okay, so here comes the number. Uh, If you've pulled over to the side of the road, you're ready to write it down. If you have picked up a pen and paper, if you are about to type it into your phone, whatever you would like to do, write it down now, 1-800-324-843. Three. Now, if you missed that, it's very simple. It's 1-800-FAITH-FM. If you just use the uh, the letters on your phone, you can uh, type in 1-800-FAITH-FM. Uh, you can also text us on 0491-064-669. So that's 0491-064-669. Alternatively, of course, you can contact us by any of our social media But I would recommend giving us a call or shooting us a text message of the best way of making that initial contact and then we will be able to gather your story um, and pass it on to the Australian Government through the Religious Liberty Department uh, with the submission that Michael Worker will be preparing for the Government. So super important Mm. announcement. Um, We need all of you to... uh, to get on board with this one and uh, and send your stories in. We're probably going to make a few more announcements about this over the coming days um, because we want to collect as many of these stories as possible. Okay, what else do we need to talk about? Probably the app. We'll talk about it later. We've, yeah. we've, we've done enough announcements for now. Mm-hmm. We need to get into our Bible study. You That's missed what out. we need to You missed about. out. Did you hear the Bible study yesterday? No, I was listening to the show, <laughs> oh, but I missed man. it. The Bible study yesterday. <laughs> Wow, we had Nehemiah, Nehemiah at his most Nehemiah-ish, <laughs> Nehemiah. Peak Nehemiah. Peak, we had peak Nehemiah yesterday. This was Nehemiah where he beats some people up, he pronounces some curses on people, he pulls out oh, some, yeah. this pulls is out the some most beards. Wild, the most wild part of this story. He pulls like, out some beards, he tears out some hair. And uh, we were looking at some of the reasons why. Do you think you would ever be incited to that kind of violence? And is that kind of violence or force ever necessary? That, like, that is the question that I'm asking in myself when I read this, you know. I'm like, man, that is crazy. <laughs> if your church pastor did this, would you keep going to this church? <laughs> think you know we're just talking about religious discrimination bills i don't know if there's anything that covers pulling a beard out for you know rebuke reasons yeah and this is interesting because um you know one of the things that michael mentioned when he was talking about religious discrimination was clear criminal activity Mm. and i'm going to give a little bit of context to the story of nehemiah that we gave yesterday but it's one of those one of those stories that you know the um, all of the skeptics in the world love to jump on and pull out as an example of how bad the Bible is and how hateful God is and so forth. And mm. this is such a terrible person. And can you believe this guy is a hero? Um, it, when the opposite is actually the case, this guy was actually a hero because he was doing something by force that needed to be done. Nehemiah, we have to remember, was not just a religious leader; he was also the police. Force. Mm. 
And here you have people who were um, engaging in marriages with idolatrous people who were involved in things as evil as child sacrifice. Mm. Okay, so 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 Lawson, let me let me put your you let me put you in some shoes for a moment. Let's say that you are standing at a religious ceremony. There is yes. a an idol that's made of brass. Mm. Uh, they light a fire inside that particular idol, and brass is very conductive metal, so that's going to glow with heat. Mm. And then they take a newborn by a child and lay it in the arms of in the in the in the embrace of that idol where it is instantly fried and cooked to death. Would you be would you be moved to do something using force to bring that kind of a thing to an end? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you would right. be fully justified in using mm. force to do so. The reason that we don't use that kind of force in our church today when similar things take place, obviously not burning babies on in, in, in idols, but when you have pedophiles who turn up, the reason that we don't use that force ourselves is because in our society, we have a police force. Yes. And the police force will move in and they are allowed to use the same level of force that Nehemiah used mm. And more because they are allowed to shoot a person if they need to and take their life if necessary. Mm. And Nehemiah didn't do that. All he did was... Um, <clears throat> and we, and we would and actually, like, beards. we would consider that justified as well. We would most definitely consider like, it to be justified. And we would take those individuals and we would put them out of the church and we would, you know, send them to prison. Mm. Fully. So when you just add a little mm. bit of context to it, it's like, okay, this is, you know, and these were some, these were religions that practiced pedophilia as a religious requirement. Yeah. Just ugh, wild. And of course, we have our, um, you know, Dawkins and so forth um, who get all bent out mm. of shape over these kind of passages and say, oh, no, God is not a God of love. No, God is definitely a God of love. God stands up for children and babies and their right to a good life mm. and a right to not being tortured to death. That is a God of love. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. In fact, that's a God of love who shows incredible restraint, in my opinion. Mm. You know, if you compare this with how the Assyrians might act, mm. You know, because uh, let's face it, they they were living in different different culture in different times, mm. and so Nehemiah turns up, and there are enemies of God's people within God's church who are doing and involving themselves and intermarrying with people who are doing truly horrific things. Mm. And the Bible says he curses some, he uh, he, he he punches some, and he um, pulls some hair. Mm. Within the culture of those days, that would have been seen as being, you know, the most mild-mannered force of, you know, example of force that there was. Yeah. You know, if you read if you read the Assyrian inscriptions, you know, somebody offends an Assyrian mm. or offends an Assyrian god or offends an Assyrian ruler, and they will carve these inscriptions into stone so that we can actually read them, you know, two and a half thousand years later. You know, I'll read something like, you know, I came and I captured these people. I cut off his nose. I t- 
tore out his tongue, I cut off his ears and gouged out his eye and stood him in front of the gate so that all could, you know. And, wow. And, and you know, <laughs> it's just like, Nehemiah's pretty mild for the culture of the day. Mm. Um, the culture of the day and the nations that were surrounding, if you offended their gods, there was going to be much, much more worse things than this to pay. Mm. Um, and they would be things that would involve the worst kind of torture, you know, and, and then, then he'd, they'd take his children and, and skin them alive in front of him and, you know, just just terrible, terrible. Yeah. And, and and brag about it. You know, these days we'd say, those are atrocities. Yeah. Those are, those are, those are war crimes. Those are, those are crimes against humanity, whatever it might be, and we would take them to court and have them locked up and the whole world would stand back in horror that they had done something like that. In those days, it's like, yeah, well, actually, you know, um, that's that's how we operate, and it was so much a part of society that rather than you know trying to hide away from crimes against humanity, be like, no, let's publish this on a billboard. <laughs> yeah, it's literally what they did. It's like you're driving down the road. There's a billboard. This is what I did to the person who insulted my god. <laughs> it's like advertising. Like, yeah. you guys better watch out. This is this is the kind of god we serve. So when Nehemiah kicks some people out of God's church um, at this particular time, he's being incredibly restrained but he is using force against incredibly unimaginably evil practices mm. that are being done in the name of religion and we need to recognize this all right Nehemiah chapter 13 verse 26 and 27 okay uh, the Bible says, Wasn't this exactly what led King Solomon of Israel to sin? I demanded. There was no king from any nation who could compare to him. And God loved him and made him a king over all Israel. But even he was led into sin by his foreign wives. How could, how could you even think of committing this sinful deed and acting unfaithfully towards God by marrying um, foreign women? How many did Solomon have? He had like 700 or something. Yeah, 700 wives, 300 concubines. Yeah. That's like a 1,000. That's a harem with a 1,000 women in it. Man, that would be the most complicated, difficult can you imagine, relationship judging of Can you imagine being in charge time. of that harem? Oh, holy moly. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, what do you do right there? Praise God that he's put the, uh, the, the, uh, the restriction of one on us because that's, even that, that's less of a restriction and rather like a privilege. The privilege of one. The privilege of one. <laughs> praise God. It's just amazing, Amen. you know, when you follow. Why don't, why don't you uh, flick over to Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 17 for me? Mm. Deuteronomy chapter 17. And let's read the constitution for the kings of Israel. Um, this, of course, comes from the writing of Moses. And God outlined within the constitution how the kings were supposed to behave. So it's Deuteronomy chapter 17. Verse 17. And the Bible says, The king must not take many wives for himself, because they will turn his heart away from the Lord, and he must not accumulate large amounts of wealth in silver and gold for himself. Okay. Ooh. Ooh, that doesn't... That doesn't... Solomon. (laughs) Solomon. This is like Solomon has almost read what... Moses has, God has said through Moses, don't do, and Solomon has gone out and done it. Yeah. You know, if you look at the rise to power of um, the Israelite um, empire, as it was there for a brief period of time, it was kind of like a, a shooting star that flashed across the sky and then crumbled to pieces. You have David, who is this great warrior. He's a general and a statesman. Mm. 
and he melds together 12 tribes that were had been up until this point very, very disunited with each other. Mm. He conquers the enemies that surround Israel. He brings peace to the land of Israel. He expands the nation of Israel. Um, and so he's the great warrior, warrior, statesman, prophet, preacher, songwriter. You know, just the, the guy was a creative. He was, it was like, almost like, what can't David do? Mm. Then his son Solomon comes to power. Solomon inherits an empire that's just been created. Mm. And Solomon's skill is not as a general. Solomon's skill is as, in many ways, a trader. Mm. He brings wealth. You know, so under, under Solomon, the economy of Israel just explodes with wealth. The Bible says that he makes gold as common as cobblestones in the city of Jerusalem. It was just, it, it, there was so much of it, it ceased to be a precious metal. Mm. And of course, you know, he expands the empire through treaties. Um, he's great at, you know, doing deals with different nations. You know, you've kind of got the option, well, we can be a part of uh, Israel or we can, you know, continue on under, you know, this other rulership and you find that he extends the empire all the way out to the river of the Euphrates and down to the, the, down to the river of Egypt. And, you know, at its full extent, it has hegemony over a huge portion of the Middle East. And it is in a position where it is set to continue growing because it just makes economic sense to be a part of Israel. Mm. You're just going to be better off. You're going to live longer. You're going to be happy. You're going to have more money in your pocket. And so why wouldn't you join the, you know, the gravy train, so mm. to speak? Um, get on board and uh, enjoy all of the good things that are coming about as a result of being a part of Israel. And, and, and nations are voluntarily signing up for this. You know, where, where do you have anything like this? And yeah. Solomon blows it all. Wow. And this shows how big of a deal it actually is when it comes to We spoke um, quite a lot about this yesterday. It shows how big of a deal it is to involve yourself with intermarrying with you know, outside of your faith. Mm. Intermarrying outside of your race, not a problem. Intermarrying outside of your color, not a problem. Intermarrying outside of you know your country, not a problem. Whatever it might be. You know all about it. Not that. a problem. Um, yeah, my wife is not from this country, um, and I'm super proud of her. Um, you know, there's there's not a problem with any of these things, but marrying outside of your religion, massive problem, mm. recipe for disaster. If you want to go ahead and, um, if you want to go ahead and create just continual pain for the rest of your life, marry outside of your faith. Mm. It is so rare that I've ever seen this work out successfully that it is almost at the point of being something that is just unheard of. Mm. It is so much more often I find that a couple who does not know Jesus, neither of them know Jesus, and one of them becomes a Christian, I've seen that work so much better. And that can be painful enough. Yeah. But I've seen that work so much better than a couple who get together where one is a Christian and one is not. 
Mm. It is just such a terrible idea. And so I would encourage everybody um, to, to, if you're in that kind of relationship, uh, just pick up your phone right now. End it. It's nothing worse it. than, there's nothing worse than you know being dragged on. Yeah. Um, the easiest way to break up is the clean, sharp knife. People recover from that so much better mm. than the blunt one that takes like months to deal with. Mm. And we're praying for you here at Faith FM. <clears throat> we really are. Because this is something I know how heart-wrenching this can be and how difficult it can be, particularly when you are deeply, deeply in love with somebody. It's horrific, I know. But I say this and God says this because God loves you and God cares for you and God wants you to have happiness and God wants you to have peace in your life and and God doesn't want you to live a life of pain. Mm. Ask yourself the question, if my happiness in my relationship could never exceed that of my parents, would I go into that relationship? Wow. How many of us would uh, give a positive answer to that?
Everybody, Lawson and I was sitting here having an interesting discussion about the origin of the wise men. Mm. Whereabouts in the world did they come from? Mm. Did they come from Persia? They Yemen? Come from China? Ethiopia? China? Spain? Spain? These are the these are the potential sites that have been discussed in this room so far. We would love to hear your opinion on it. So give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Also, don't forget, if you have a religious discrimination story here in Australia, we need to have that for um, the uh, submission to the Australian government. Um, so give us a call, 1-800-324-843. Also, if you have an answer to the quiz, give us a call, 1-800-324-843. Okay. Who am I? I brought a boy with fish and bread. To Jesus. I read about this this morning, actually. Oh, so, there you go. So I was like... Awesome. I know who this is. <laughs> okay, so I'll give you a, 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 a sort of a, a, an additional clue here. Mm-hmm. This guy, when he turns up in the Bible, is usually bringing someone to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Most of the stories in relationship to this individual um, is he is bringing somebody... To, he, he's, he's an evangelist. He's like, mm-hmm. find someone, bring them to Jesus. Find someone, bring them to Jesus. Mm. Great example for all of us right there. Yeah. Okay. There's a cathedral in Sydney named after him. There you go. That's that's another, another clue. clue. Man, is it a cathedral? Is it a cathedral or a church? Ooh, it's kind of in the it's kind of in the middle because mm-hmm. it's an Anglican cathedral, right? Okay. Well, some of them are cathedrals and some of them are churches. Depends if they have an archbishop or a bishop or something or other. Anyway, okay. This one's a cathedral. There you go. All right. Okay. There you go. And it's Anglican. And, and it's, it's in Sydney. And it's in Sydney. Time to do some Googling, guys, and get an answer <laughs> through for the quiz. Okay. Lawson. What's up? We've been talking about intermarriage, and I've said some pretty strong things. Yeah, you have. Like really strong things. Like if you're in a marriage, if you're in an interfaith relationship, not a marriage. If you're in a marriage, stick it out unless unless the guy is, um, you know, or the girl, you know, unless one person is... Um, being unfaithful or mm. violent, then see if you can work things through. And the Bible Stick has very clear counsel on yeah, that. Yeah, do your best yeah. to make it work. Mm. Uh, however, if you are not married, if you have not made a commitment and a promise to this person mm. in the sight of witnesses and in the sight of God, then, and you are in a relationship where you are considering marriage and it's an interfaith a potential interfaith marriage, break up. But, like, it can work. Break up. It can fully work. Break up. Have you met my good friend Blake Penland? Break up. Blake, Blake Penland, question mark? Break up. Okay, let me show you why. <laughs> Go to Genesis Genesis chapter 6. Okay. Genesis chapter 6. Is this about Blake Penland? Uh, no. <laughs> this is about intermarriages with people of other faiths. 
Genesis chapter 6, I want you to read for me the first four verses. Yeah. There's a subheading in my Bible being a new translation. It literally just says, a world gone wrong. It's like, here we we go. Then the people began to multiply. Give me the the first three verses. The first three. Okay. Then the people began to multiply on the earth, and the daughters were born, and daughters were born to them. And the sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not put put up with humans for such a long time, for only mortal flesh will inherit. Sorry, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Yeah, it's slightly different translation. I should have read it from from my KJV here this morning. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for he is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And so this, of course, prophecy is given 120 years before the flood comes. Mm. Okay, there's another verse that, uh, well, we continue on. The Bible says, you know, there's giants in the earth, mighty men of renown, etc., in verse 4. But then in verse 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that, I'm going to to mark three words here. Here comes the first one. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Every only continually. Mm. So here's what happened. When you read through this story, you've got... Um, you've got the sons of God, which are the descendants of Seth. Um, they are the, the righteous people who are, you know, sons and daughters of God, as we are today when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. Um, then you have um, the daughters of man, obviously, the flesh, daughters of the flesh. These are the descendants of Cain. Um, you've got both genealogies in the Bible, the wicked genealogy and the righteous genealogy. And you've got, so they've got these two groups inhabiting the earth, those who serve God and those who don't. And then they start to intermarry with each other. And it is as a result of these interfaith marriages that the knowledge of God is all but wiped from the earth. Mm. It's as a result of these interfaith marriages that God floods the entire planet, the greatest event that our world has ever seen, the greatest disaster our world has ever seen, came about as a result of these interfaith marriages. So when I speak about interfaith marriages and I use strong language, there is good reason why when we look at the history of the result of them. You know, I can look at the history of the of the people around me who have, you mm. know, gone into these interfaith marriages. But if you want to see true disaster, like really true disaster, mm. go back to the flood. Yeah. And then tell me that this is a small issue. Then tell me that this is something that we don't need to be worrying about. This is a terrible idea. Don't even go there. And uh, I think that we just, uh, we just, you know, don't speak strongly enough about it. And sometimes, you know, and I look back at my past and I hang my head in shame where I've seen circumstances where people have got together and one is a person of faith and the other is not and I've not said anything about it. Mm. And then I've attended their wedding because I'm thinking, well, this other person, their their potential spouse, has been coming to church for a year and a half now. They haven't given their heart to Jesus Christ. They haven't got baptized, but they're a good person. They love coming to church. They love the communities there. They enjoy the worship service. They sing. They take part. And so they get married and we don't think twice about it, but never see them at church ever again. Mm. Once the ring is on their finger, that's it. Wow. And then six months later, and the partner who is a person of faith misses a day at church, and then another, 
Mm. And then they're gone. And I'm telling a true story now mm. that actually happened. And it just, there is nothing more destructive on your relationship with God than an interfaith marriage. Mm. The Bible says that we are not to be unequally yoked. Let's read it in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. I'm just page turning there. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. Okay, here we go. The Bible says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a be part be a partner with wickedness how can light live with darkness what harmony can there be between christ and the devil how can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever and what union can there be between god's temple and idols for we are the temple of the living god okay what union can there be between god and idols it's pretty straightforward. None. That's none? The, the, it's asking yep. a rhetorical question. It's it is. Like none. None. <clears throat> so great passage right there. Um, and there's another one here that I want to just share with you. This one comes from uh, Genesis, uh, going back to the book of Genesis again. Oh, we're out of time. <laughs>
Hi, I'm Pastor Brendan from Harvey Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I'd like to personally invite you to worship God with us each Sabbath. We start off with Bible study groups at 9.30am, then hold our community worship service at 11am. We also organize groups that meet during the week to connect, eat, and study the Bible together. So if you're looking to be part of an encouraging Christian community, come and join us. For more information, you can call me on 0422-896-553. That's 0422-896-553. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hi guys, Gillen here. I'm from your Seventh Adventist Church in Warrigal. We just want to invite you and your family to worship Jesus Christ with us on Saturdays. We have a kids program and an adult Bible study starting at 10 a.m. Then the service is at 11.30. For more information, Google Seventh Adventist Church in Warrigal. everybody you're listening to faith fm and this is question of the daytime where we are looking at the question of which has come through from a listener let me just bring it up here on my screen where did it disappear to what is this is an interesting one what is ecclesiology so there's a big word for you a 
theological Christian ease kind of word. It's like, how do you even come up with a definition? Where does a word like that even come from? Okay, so the word ecclesiology is made from a couple of Greek words. It's come into the English language from Greek. Um, and it's made up of um, the word ecclesia, which means assembly, a group of people assembled together. And so an ecclesia is, you know, two or more. Um, and Jesus says, you know, where two or more uh, are in my name, there you, there I am amongst them, or there, there you have a church. Um, and so the word ecclesia is often translated in the Bible as being church. And of course, when you add ology to the end of it, we all know when you add ology to something, it means the study of. It comes from the Greek word uh, in relationship to word. So church and word. So study of the church or write words, do study about the church. Ecclesiology is all about what God's church is. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, what is God's church? And so if we go over to Timothy, let me just flick over here to... Uh, Timothy very quickly, famous passage in Timothy, one of the Timothys, let me find the right one, Uh, I think it is this one, no it's not that one, it's the next one, 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 19, nevertheless the foundation of God stands sure having this seal. The Lord knows those that are his, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Okay, so when we uh, consider this particular passage right here, the Bible says that everyone, the Lord knows those that are his, and everybody who belongs to Jesus Christ is a part of God's church. Um, That's fairly simple. Um, This is based on conversion. What's interesting about uh, this aspect of God's church, of course, is that to us, it is invisible. In other words, you can't sit up the back of the church and say, well, that one's converted and that one's not, and you know, this one's saved and that one's lost, this one's a wheat, that one's a tear. You know, I think that uh, as young people, possibly we felt like doing that on occasions, like making a list of all the wheat and the tears or the wheat and the weeds within the church, which of course is drawn from a popular parable of Jesus. However, we cannot do that because we can never read a person's heart. And for us, it is impossible to know whether somebody is saved or lost. We continue on from there. The Bible says, um, but. Now, the word but is a contrast word. It says, but in a great house. And so now the Bible is talking about something that is definitely more tangible, more bricks and mortarish. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. So there is an invisible aspect to God's church. And in that invisible aspect, only those who are members of that invisible part of God's church are those. The only ones who are members of that are those who are saved. Um, They are people. They are found amongst people of all faiths and even no faith, according to Romans chapter 2 and Zechariah chapter 13. However, there is a visible act to, aspect to God's church. You know, if you go to uh, Corinthians, let me flick over here to Corinthians. Where did Corinthians go? First Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and verse 2, the Bible says, under the church of God, which is at Corinth. And within a visible church, this was you could actually go to Corinth, you could go into that building, you could worship with those worshippers, 
the way that you become a part of the visible church is by profession. The way that you become a part of the invisible church is by conversion. The invisible church is where salvation is found. The visible church is where uh, evangelism takes place. And so being a part of both aspects is incredibly important. We need to be both converted, part of God's invisible church, and witnessing a part of God's visible church. Um, when we are part of both, then we become an active servant of God, accomplishing things in our world. So there's a few different thoughts on ecclesiology and what ecclesiology is, the study of God's church. This is Carly Fletcher with A New Creation. Yeah. 
Welcome back, guys. That was Carly Fletcher with a new creation here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show, and as we always do, we like to give something away at the end of our show. But before we do, we have a most important announcement that we would like to make. Um, we are preparing a submission to go to the Australian government in relationship to the latest version of the Religious Liberty, Religious Freedom Bill. We would like to hear from you in relationship to that of any examples of religious discrimination that you may have experienced. So if you have experienced religious discrimination in your life in any way or at any particular time, then you need to give us a call here right now, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 491 and um and and we will you will be able to we will be able to pass that on so that uh, that can be used in forming some good legislation for this country keep us in prayer okay our giveaway for today is um let me see what have we got here we've got a copy of Hacksaw Ridge we've been giving that this one out for a while now so you know the story but it's definitely a story that is well worth reading i'd encourage you all to uh read the story of Desmond Doss who received the uh, Congressional Medal of Honor for saving lives. How often does that happen? Someone gets um, the, their country's highest medal for saving lives. A frontline soldier who never picked up a weapon, anything more dangerous than his Swiss Army knife. So give us a call right now and your copy can come to you for free. 1-800-324-843 is the number call or text us on 0491 Don't forget to talk faith, live faith and act faith. Marvelous, wonderful, infinite God Author of all that is good Faithful provider and giver of life Source of all power and love Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise Refuge of strength to the Redeemer and mighty to save He's the anchor of hope for the souls of men Gracious, compassionate, merciful God Radiant, holy delight Beautiful Father, victorious Son Source of unchangeable light Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise Refuge of strength to the end Righteous Redeemer and mighty to save He's the anchor of hope for the souls of men You are Shepherd who comes for the lost Rock of salvation, remarkable love Savior who died on the cross 